I think the best analogy of doing a startup in your spare or any kind of product in your spare time is like having a kid. It's like having a baby. Because mm. when it's young, when it's like just at you know, just born age, that first kind of three months, six months, nine months, even in the first couple of years, it takes all of your spare time. If you mm, want to get it mm. working well, and then you know, once you get it, once it kind of gets onto its own two feet and it starts walking, so it's got some customers and you know, maybe a customer support person, then it's getting there, and then when it gets, you know, when it gets a bit into kind of teenager years, it's outsourced to other people. But um, yeah, the moment, no, it gets even more stressful then. Yeah, maybe it does until, <laughs> until, it, until it leaves the home. At some point, we thought we'd take three days away, digital detox, turn everything off, not talk about work, <laughs> focus on nice food, mojitos, and slightly warmer climate down in Portugal. Amazing. What's the weather there? About sixteen to seventeen degrees. So it's also not right. it's not super not hot, but it's a bit warmer yeah. here. It's also got yeah. longer sunshine hours. I think it's got an extra hour and a half or something of daytime. Ah, nice, nice. See, so yeah, on my list this week, um, I have validation. I think validation okay. is one of the things that is the is has been stressing me out, and that's one of the things I was talking to mm. Randy about earlier. So I was, yeah. I think, for Coinda, which is the, the the project we're working on at the moment, we've mm. spoken to enough people that we think there is a problem. We know that there's a at least one competitor in the market that are doing well and have got mm-hmm. funding. There's loads of analogy type products. And whenever we've talked to people face to face, whether it's kind of a kind of more producty person or more tech person, for the most part, I'd say fifty to sixty percent of people we've spoken to go, Yeah, I get what you're doing and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But trying to keep those people engaged over a long period of time is very hard especially mm-hmm. when you're doing it on the side because in a normal startup scenario you have a conversation with someone you show them something and then you can have the new feature by the next week or the week after in a mm-hmm. side project mm-hmm. that week is, turns into you know a month yeah and, no I, I totally agree and then also the kind of yeah so that's been frustrating and trying to find people to give that feedback has been really hard um, yeah it's really hard because um do you, you know um oh, what's his name uh, Ryan Hoover, that's it, the guy who built Product Hunt. So he's got a lot of really interesting stuff. Because Product Hunt actually started as a side project of his, I believe. And he's got this kind of mantra that you should always try and build a community before you build a product, particularly if you're trying to build something B2C. But even if you're building something for businesses or to solve a problem in an office, um, you should try and build up some kind of community. And what that allows you to do is you, you can define kind of your boundaries or your criterion for validation of a product um, through conversations with that community, which I really like as a concept, but it's much easier said than done, right? Like to, to build an audience isn't really something you can just click your fingers and do unless you have this this established network of people. I think, and I think that's something that we're doing. So we've got there's mm. uh, things that we've been doing to validate beyond the conversations we've had, the initial kind of double you know sanity, complete sanity checking that we're, we're doing something or building at least a first version that meets the needs of someone so yeah. we've got at least one client um that we know who's really interested that that want to get started and we've we're building for someone else so we at least have mm-hmm. two people that we think are a good starting point um so I, today for the validation i did my first email blast i haven't done cold oh, sales nice. or cold calling for i mean since since every city when i cut the one i started out of uni so it was yeah. really kind of you know hitting send on 100 emails out of your personal account is just like ah uh, it really hurt yeah but 
Yeah, I did it. So I've sent out um, 85-ish emails today, um, just with okay. a polite message saying, you know, I know this is a bit random, but could you, would you, you know, we're running this side project, would you be able to give us some feedback? And I've got a lot of people opening it, quite a few clicks, and at least one person replied um, saying, sure, no problem. Let me know when works for you. So I pinged them back a calendar invite tool. So in the next message I send, I definitely need to add a calendar link so they can just book time. Um, so that's quite yeah. good. That's been positive. Just start up Facebook ads today to try and get some more. Uh, have you? Yeah. So really interesting, interesting thing, right? So you mentioned Product Hunt. I've been using yes. the Product Hunt Ship product, which yeah, is, yeah. is about $75 a month. That's mm -hmm. been really interesting. We've had like one or two people sign up every week. So we're at about 100 mm -hmm. people now. Okay, but the, there's no, there's no engagement, so I don't know if it's worth mm. it. So we've got of the hundred people, I sent a message out last week or this week, I think actually, with a link to the prototype. So we've got like an Envision sort of clickable prototype um, that does most yeah. of the things the, the the first version of the product will do. Not one response of of a hundred messages sent through Product Hunt. Mm. So you can export the email. So I think that might be the next thing to do. Maybe they're just not delivering properly. But um, yeah. I was just like, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's about $500 that we've spent on that. So if we don't get anything out of it, it'll be a bit frustrating. But I was hoping it would just help help nudge us a bit further forward when we eventually do push it live there. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying, because I think what I've found, and I don't know if you find the same, but like when you're building something where it's your own money, it's much more challenging to commit to a decision like, hey, we should list on this product hunt thing for X many months when it's burning 75 quid a month or whatever uh like when we were using i don't know because you've been paying contractors as well right we, we paid a contractor for a, about a month and it was it really i think it makes you a better product person because you're like you're losing this money from your own account it's yeah i mean the so the for the product hunt one i just that's not it's not really big enough cost to really worry about it too no much. of course and so. i yeah. I, th I think that there may be some value so even if one of those hundred people convert the cost of acquisition probably still works out and makes sense the yeah. uh on the contractor and freelancer side absolutely i think the when you're doing that it's it's stressful the expenses rack up right like if you're paying for product hunt and you're paying for you know all of the different things like intercom etc etc yeah, like you can get hunt, easily probably. Yeah, I mean, you you're spending so like five hundred quid a month or something. I say I'd say we're to about a grand a month, three hundred quid a month at the moment. So LinkedIn yeah. sales version, which is about fifty-five pounds a month. Are you paying for that as well? Wow. Um, I've got Prospect.io, which mm. is about seventy dollars a month, and then yeah, and then so I was looking at doing some blogging the other day, and you're up mm -hmm. to so uh, I did the Ahrefs blogging course, which obviously uh -huh. re references Ahrefs. If you want to buy Ahrefs, that's another fifty dollars a month to be wow. able to kind of you know strategically blog so that your content is more likely. To, I mean. So so yeah, it absolutely boils up. So you could be at, yeah. you know, yeah, like you say, easily three, four hundred quid a month. GitHub, yeah. GitHub Pro repo, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Goes on and on. Eh? Yeah, copy of Envision, copy of. Saying that, it sounds like you're missing out on a bunch of different uh, startup codes, which I will send you into to any interested listeners. I can find a link and we can post it in the description. Oh yeah, but there's startup uh, codes for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of uh, no, there's actually a GitHub repo just with like different startup, um, uh, different startup subscriptions and, and programs you can apply to. Uh, yeah. I think Product Hunt have one as well, actually, which gets you a load of money off of lots of things. Really pushing Product Hunt today, aren't we? The other thing you mentioned was like building community. I think we have 
we yeah. it's something that me and Camilla have been doing. So we have been actively going on LinkedIn and hunting down heads of product mm. on my side and tech leads on her side and just nice. randomly adding them. So just going and saying, okay, I want to find, which is kind of went, why I went for the sales pro because I wanted to be able to choose people at certain sizes of company and then just go and mass add people who are heads of product um, or mm. senior mm. product people. And uh, I put together a PM toolkit to be able to just send it to people and say, hey, I've put this together. Let me know what you think and let me know if you've got any feedback and I hope you find it useful with the view to just being a nice product person so that in two, three, four, six, 12 months, we've got a bigger LinkedIn audience. So we've got a bit, a bit of better reach. And then when we start pushing our story of here's us on a boat running our SaaS product from the Baltic Sea or from, you know, from wherever we happen to be, yeah. it's a bit, you know, they, the people who we know could potentially buy this product or benefit from it actually yeah. start seeing the content and can engage with it. So yeah, I, I totally agree with mm. that. And if we weren't doing that now in three, six months, nine months, then we'd be in a situation where we're cold starting. And that's, <laughs> that's really painful because then your only way out is ad spending and that's ad spending and lots of cold emails. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think, I think, and, and linking that into what we were just talking about validation, it's about, I think also making sure that, that audience is the right people. Um, I think definitely with with the previous project project I was working on, Focalmark, I started targeting professional photographers, and that's where I always thought it would go. And I always thought my audience was that person, but actually, like as the as the product grew larger and the audience grew larger, the audience kind of became fragmented. So it wasn't just professional photographers anymore. But I assumed that everyone was still a photographer. So I think you have to make sure that that audience is representative of who you think the customer who you're solving's problem is, if that makes sense. I think it's easy to kind of almost attract people who aren't necessarily your audience and assume they are. Yeah. So Does that I make mean, sense? Yeah, absolutely. So we, at the moment on Facebook, we've, so I've just literally today set up a campaign targeting mm-hmm. with ad groups, targeting product managers, one targeting people who are interested in SaaS, one targeting CTOs and architects, and yep. one targeting people who are interested in Ruby on Rails. So we'll be able mm-hmm. to see from that who engages the most out of those audiences and who clicks through sure. and who we can get. But yeah, ultimately it's the people who we can have a conversation with on the phone and then mm. have that chat so one of the prospects that came through the other day we set up a call with him had a full conversation about what his challenges were what he liked he sent an email straight back going oh my god thanks so much it's really cool to see people who are really engaged and you know yeah. i'm able to you know get close so i think when you start talking to those people you immediately start figuring out who you should talk to and who you shouldn't so mm-hmm. all of his developers that he asked about our product which is an admin interface so it kind of mm-hmm. it's code free uh, coding all of his developers said well that they weren't interested and it didn't fit their they were like oh we want to use this new framework that does this other stuff and it's like well, okay well mm-hmm. that's because if you ask a bricklayer what they want to do they want to lay bricks they don't want to get yeah. pre- they don't they want they want prefab walls it's not their yeah, it doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense to them but the for the person building the house prefab walls can mean a faster house and it's the, i think it's just finding that right audience like you're saying so yeah, without without doubt. So yeah, I think the community thing's tough. And then we we did the sailing trips this summer, didn't we? That helps get a few more people in, and then some dinners yeah. and drinks and all the rest of it. So I think it is the community thing is definitely one to start building early, mm. um, even if mm. it's just to have an agony aunt to cry, you know, shoulder to cry on. <laughs> but it also gives you, yeah, yeah, it definitely it gives you that. But it also gives you this um, audience by by which that if your product changes, you still have an audience, right? Yeah. So if you decide that suddenly, oh, what we're doing at Cowindo and, and building 
this thing is not working it still gives you that space to, to pivot within i think most likely both of us will stay within the same realms in which we're working on at the moment um there are possibly adjacencies but there's like still that audience there I think the the thing that that Randy was saying earlier to me, which was quite interesting, was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, if you if you get reaching out to a lot of people and you're not getting much feedback, is there really a problem there worth solving? You know, like, yeah, if you can't sell it and you don't have the product, then when you have the product, just having the product by virtue isn't going to make any difference. But if you can reach out to people and engage with them, and they come back to you, so you know, you're kind of to I don't want to say pre-selling, but you're you know you're engaging with people and they're coming having conversations back that make sense. Then yeah, maybe yeah. you're in the right kind of realms. But if you're having those conversations and you or you're trying to have those conversations, you get nothing. Then yeah. you know you've got a question: Is it that you're just Dropbox and it's just too cool to explain, or is it like Listerine and you need to come up with a, an actual? You need to def- define the problem better so they understand it, um, or are you just completely chasing down? A dark hole have you seen the, the, the dropbox first landing page i didn't know yeah so it's amazing actually if you i think it's on um hacker news from like 2007 or whenever dropbox was launched i think they've still got it somewhere yeah uh, but it basically shows what their first landing page was and it was it's amazing it just explains exceptionally well um i think the thing is like there's always a story behind what everyone builds that the first thing that you launch is never the thing that gets famous um and i totally agree with you in that like it's hard to know what validation looks like does validation look like someone trying to throw stuff money down your throat for your product probably not does it look like someone willing to engage in conversation with you again i think it's something closer to that but like it's impossible to know when i first launched vocal market i I put it out on reddit a couple of times and they got a tiny amount of traffic and then another day i put it on reddit with another update and suddenly got like a thousand upvotes in an afternoon and then I was like, hey, that's what validation looks like. But maybe it wasn't, right? Like maybe maybe validation was actually those those prior launches which allowed me to iterate to get to the point where I could, you know, get that vast scale suddenly. That's really interesting because you mentioned you mentioned Reddit before. It's really difficult yeah. to promote your product on Reddit without seeming spammy. Mm-hmm. Any what, what what did you do that worked? Because it's um, I think I think that's where I saw that there was validation because I actually I was quite spammy with it. I was like, hey, I built this thing that gives you better hashtags to reddit slash photography um and i guess i was i mean most most people tell me that i'm painfully truthful with things that i do and i'm quite self-deprecative so i was like i built this shitty tool please give me some feedback and i put like a little <laughs> little uh, little link to a survey on it which is kind of accidentally doing product like a, a pretty good way which is actually talking and listening to people i think out off the back of that people got it because i made it incredibly obvious what the mvp was the mvp of it was literally i took a photo of something so there were seven drop downs i think like landscape uh, portrait uh landscape being of, of an actual landscape portrait being of a human being um cityscape so like taking a photo of london for example a few others um then in a city so i had like tokyo london paris and like three others um, and people just got it from that and the the MVP was literally a drop down of two things, and then I used like Google Sheets as the back end, and that's what went on to Reddit and Product Hunt, and somehow it managed to handle the traffic that I got from those. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was super fortunate because I kind of hit this pocket, and I was like, "This is what validation is." Now I'm 
whenever I'm building things now, whether that's kind of that companies or with side projects, that to me in my head is what validation is. Like you launch it on Reddit and you get a thousand upvotes. But I think that's completely false. I think if you can go and have a conversation with someone in the street and be like, hey, like here's this thing I'm building and they're interested just to talk to you again, that can be a form of validation. I think no, I think maybe maybe people have got more and I don't know whether I've become more impatient. I think I probably have over time. If I yes. think about when we did the first startup I did, I was yeah. out of university, literally straight out of university in the summer, yeah. sitting in my cousin's my aunt's front bedroom with my cousin, literally just mm-hmm. cold calling people about the product that we were trying to sell. And I really? think it, yeah, just <laughs> literally hitting the phone, hundred calls a day. And just Whoa. trying to get people to uh, to have a meeting with us to talk about whether they would want to buy hosting from us. And we were, at the time, we had zero differentiators. We were just like, A, another company. And I think it took us until, yeah. it took us about four, five, four months maybe until we got the first sale in. And I don't, I don't feel as if I have that patience anymore. I feel like I need, I think maybe it's just that, you know, that the internet has become more responsive in terms of you put a photo up on Instagram and immediately you've got 10 likes or you put something on yeah. Facebook immediately, that kind of like economy, you feel like yeah, you should yeah. get instant validation. Um, yes. But the truth is, if I look at most of my friends who've been bootstrapping businesses, it took them a long time to get anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think yeah. it's, I think it is, I think we're not doing badly. I think it's just uh, taking, just takes time to do something good. Yeah, I completely agree. And you, and you iterate your kind of value prop as well, right? But like you're in running kind of discovery cycle, you're just trying to iterate as quickly as possible. And sure, if people at the beginning are like, oh, that's cool what you're building, great. Let's chat soon kind of thing, basically pile you off. Um, you iterate that over time, right? You're like, oh, maybe if I pitch it this way or maybe if I tell someone that it takes five minutes and they can save 20 grand, over time you find better ways to, to market the thing. I'm, I'm definitely not a marketer, so I'm yeah, not the, the first, person to the, go to for that. Those first weeks or months of phone calls were, I mean, I hate doing cold calling, but those first those first calls are always the most painful. It's like that first Without email, doubt, yeah. that first yeah. email blast. You know, you, you're on the phone, <laughs> you're just like, uh, I, oh, hello, I didn't expect that. You don't expect to actually get through to the person. Then when you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're like, shit, I spelt my name wrong and like, yeah. I spelt your name wrong and I spelt your company yeah, name yeah, wrong and yeah so what are you working on at the moment are you working on anything uh validating anything at the moment you're doing I know you're yeah, a little bit looking at a new gig but what's the yeah what's yeah, the yeah. So, so as you know I'm starting a new gig uh, next week as a product manager at world remit uh, which I'm super excited for so previously I've been at uh, startup and before that I've been building things and working on other side projects. Currently I'm also building something with a friend who is in the restaurant industry. Uh, so he's got a cheese truck, he serves raclette cheese and he's also got a restaurant in Brixton. I would highly recommend you and any prospective listeners check it out in Brixton Pop. We're not building a restaurant, we're trying to essentially build a tool that allows people with dietary requirements, so allergies, intolerances or kind of any form of food choice to filter out a menu and, and choose their choices in a simple way. We we built like a little bit of MVP in, in out of hours and like we were discussing earlier, we've worked a bit with some contractors to build the thing. We're getting somewhere. I mean we're we're now kind of in talks with a few different markets, so food markets around London, serving street food predominantly, to launch with them. So to launch kind of a discovery tool which we've built, which we're calling Platter Market. 
And how do those kind of how do these conversations go? Where do you start? Do you is it that you phone them up and you go, "Hey, I've got this app," or are you sending them emails? Like, where's where does the exact interaction start? Where you're like, "I'm now sitting in front yeah. of the manager of the food market." So we're we're very fortunate in that we have my co-founder, I guess, Steve, uh, <laughs> in that uh, he's very well connected in in the food industry. Uh, so we kind of we can make so those connections cheating. you're cheating basically i i am cheating yeah pretty much yeah yeah i mean to say that we're, we're still in the incredibly early stages of of actually launching with people and there's obviously a balance to which i don't think steve knows everyone in the world but he he might but in the extent that we're going to have to soon have people that we don't know signing up so that's going to be a challenge i think the other challenge with it is like are people agreeing to work with us simply because we know them or because we're actually solving a problem that they have. Yeah. And that's such a hard thing to ever distinguish. Cause I've seen it with like lots of businesses and even previous places I've worked where like the founders will have connections and they go to those connections and they'll be like, yeah, we'll try all your product or yeah, we'll pay you X amount of money for your product. But is that simply because they know you and they're trying to please you? Um, or is it because you're actually solving a problem? <laughs> I, I guess it depends if they're paying you or not and how much they're paying you. <laughs> Even then, though, right? Because I think often people will have amounts of budget and like it's hard to know what your product is worth to a market um, if that market is, like we were saying earlier, like not a representative sample of the market. I think it's easy to like establish a totally non-representative sample of an entire market through your friends. Like if you were to just message all of the heads of products, PMs, et cetera, you know, to use a PM tool, is that market validation or is that Duncan's friends validation? I mean, I can tell you that I've sent links to Coinda to all of, in, in inverted commas, Duncan's friends, and very few of them have had the time to come back to even review it to let me know what they think, even yes. as a friend. So that, that shows you how busy people are. And I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's one of those ones where either finding finding people at the right time, so where they've got the pay. Oh yeah. So when you know, for us, we think that people who are building, who are starting to build microservices apps, will have these pains because mm -hmm. you have to be able to connect multiple databases and deal with permissions, and that's kind of a bit of a pain. And then yep. we also think that maybe, yeah, it's it's hard. Mm. Um, it really is, isn't it? Because it's like. It's, it's so hard to distinguish between someone being happy to make further conversation with you because you're not like scaring them and validation. You know what I mean? Not actually, not, I, that, was a, that was a joke, the scaring them bit. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but I think there's also something about the UK, and maybe I'm, I'm not sure whether this is true or not, but I think the UK is a busy being market. British. No, I don't think I don't think the, I don't think the cause is being British. Although I think there is some <laughs> some element of the same correlation. Yeah, there is something in there. Yeah. I genuinely yeah. think that people in the UK think they're busy. So more uh, so. I don't think think I think so, people more so than in other perception. places, especially in London. So mm, I think that people mm. who are in London because they've got the travel and they've got all the other things that are going on around them. Their yeah. perception of amount of time and free, you know, ability to speak to salespeople or people with products they don't even know or want, is quite yeah. low. I think if going, and I don't have any, I don't have any data points for this other than I did some coaching in Estonia quite a while back, and the guys there said that when they Classic. were pro when they were prospecting in Estonia, an Estonian company prospecting in Estonia, they said getting yeah. me they said getting meetings 
with any company is no problem at all. You phone them up and they'll have a meeting with you the next day because okay. it's a small place and not very, not hugely busy. So getting that first mm -hmm. kind of 10 customers in, in that more regional market is easier. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. looking at following that same model and going for some Nordic countries and just prospecting them initially for feedback rather than prospecting people in London. Just because what, they'll just tell you it's shit instead of making up the fact that they're busy. Yeah, well, yeah, apart from, yeah, <laughs> apart from in the Nordics, they're going to be a little bit more frank. Like the people, yes, yeah. people in like Sweden and Norway will just go, this is useless. I'm not using it. Yeah. Whereas a Brit might be <laughs> this a little bit more... This does nothing to my life. <laughs> yeah, whereas a Brit might be a little bit more conservative. Um, yeah. I also think they genuinely just might have more time. So... Yeah, but I, th I I agree with you. I think it's a, I mean, it's a completely different conversation, but I think in London people have this perception of like wanting to look busy as well. It's quite cool to be busy. I think people like will try and make that they're busier than they are. And I, I don't know if that's true with them paring off the fact that they want to talk to you about a sales call, uh, but still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ego and self-importance kind of things. I, I think there might be yes. that to an extent. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I do think people... yeah but then, but then if you're there for whatever reason they're their superior or the person that they're trying to impress in some some respect then is it easier to then pitch them and then is the validation less ruthless as well right yeah i don't know i've only started sending out emails today so i guess i can keep the prospecting <laughs> going for a week and then we can come back next How's week. How's that philosophical thought when you're... When you're see when I've sent another responses. 250 emails and see whether we have some people who are willing to have conversations. Because I think yeah. I've been quite geographically diverse. I've gone for a selection of European and English-speaking countries. Um, cool. And so we'll see. We'll see who comes back. Um, because mm. I'm not convinced. Yeah, without doubt. I'd be surprised if there's many in London. But I think for London, yeah. we're going to do probably going to do some meetups, going to go to some meetups, go and talk to people there. At least that way, nice. you know, if they're right in front of you, they can't ignore you. <laughs> yes, yes, totally agree. Well, you got the whole, are they trying to be nice or are they actually telling, telling you the truth thing, right? Even more at meetups because you're probably buying them beer. I think if I go to more technical meetups, so Ruby meetups or Python meetups, yeah, they're sorted. Yeah, yeah, they're not gonna, they're not <laughs> yeah. gonna mess you around. They will tell you straight no. <laughs> what you're doing yes. is a complete waste of time, or they like it, or they yeah. don't like it. So yeah, I think you'll get I, it with some product managers as well, but very few. Yeah, if I go to Product Tank and start talking about my product, everyone's going to be like, "Oh yeah, that sounds great. That's very exciting that you're doing that." I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no one's going to be like, "Show me what validation you have." They're not going I, to the first question I'd ask is how much recurring revenue do you have? And you'd be like, oh, zero. Like, okay. <laughs> that, that's something that's quite scary, you know. So when we yeah. when we first, this is something that's worth kind of talking about. The first page that we put up for the product, I put it up making the product look like it was a real product that was live that might have customers. And yeah. while I've had success of doing that in the past for previous products, I... Mm realized very quickly that if i had a conversation with anyone of any note and they said okay well who have you got with customers that i didn't have a, a thread to hang on so i thought instead yeah. we would go for being be super open being over transparent so we've got our backlog on the website so we've got the oh, backlog cool. of features that we're currently building we've got potential future features that we're looking at building um i don't think i'm too we would said about this in terms of talking about your product and who's going to copy you. I don't think anyone has the time to copy you. The only people who I have had an interaction with who I wouldn't discuss 
what we're doing with is VCs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? I had, Why? Yeah. Well, because they have lots of money and they could fund other people who could go faster than us. Uh, I think it's uh, bullshit, man. I had a VC. So in, I had a VC call me up um, last month, I want to say, or beginning of About this month. About Coinda? Yeah. So they'd somehow they'd claimed that they'd found us using some AI algorithm. I think they probably mm. just went on Crunchbase and searched some keywords. But, right. Um, so the uh, yes, yeah, so the partner of the firm sent me a message on LinkedIn asking me if I'd have a chat booked a time and then uh the person who picked up the phone was a junior researcher and so she was asking me like specifically what problems are you trying to solve with your product and you know what features you're building and it's just like because i because we have no we're we have no interest in taking any money at the moment. It might, I'm not ruling it out for the future, but certainly in the next year, we want to be bootstrapped as, as we can. Um, there was no value in me kind of trying to chatter up and talk about how big our market potentially was, but it, it struck me that if a VC was going to look at investing in a competitor, the first thing Mm -hmm. that they would do is go and phone up everyone else in the market and validate whether they, the company they were funding was solving a real problem and how much of what they were saying was true, which I think was what she was doing. She, they had obviously been talking to similar ish companies and she was just trying to understand what the market was, how big it was, what problems were we trying to solve so that they could then figure out who to fund. Um, Potentially. Potentially. I'm not sure. Felt like I, a, I think those like, VCs will do... felt like a fishing trip make, to me, but hard to say. Okay. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, Maybe some. Yeah. There's cool. no, there's no up value, no upside value to for me to kind of sharing with those people if they want to listen to the podcast. No. Sure. If they want to read the website, all the information that we've been, everything we've been doing is there. But I'm not going to give them like yeah. a unpaid briefing on specifically what we're doing and why we're doing it. If there's no sort of benefit to myself. Yeah. No, yeah. totally if they turn around and say hey we've got 20 of our companies and we love your product and we want us to come how can we introduce you to them that's I'm yeah up that conversation that's the, that's the vc line isn't it <laughs> who can i introduce you to i think one thing that we were going to discuss is like how much are you leveraging or using certain product frameworks in validation of startups or building startups or side projects I what think what that tools are you currently using at Coinda? Nothing, no. We just know that we, Interesting. we are building the product to the spec that is the problem mm. at Camilla's current project. So we know they need permissions. Right. We know they need to be able to connect to multiple databases. And we know how they need to be able to CRUD data in a table. So we're building a product mm. that specifically solves that problem. And then when we've talked to other people and shown them the mock-ups, they've been like, yeah, that would help us too. Okay. And that that was a bit of a breakthrough in terms of mm. making sure that Camilla was aligned in terms of what she's building. She was a bit unsure about what the value was or how it should work. But as soon as she locked on to the fact that it would solve something that she does at work, she was like, okay, mm. I totally get this now. We've done all the discovery. We've done interview, we've done tons of customer interviews. So we've talked to like yeah. 30 or 40 different people on recorded calls, taking notes and going into mm. detail. The problem is, is as a side project, those, mm. those things they've, they go, they go cold, right? So those customer yeah. development calls, some of them we did two years ago. I was listening to a podcast the other day saying that mm. if you're trying to do product on the side or build stuff mm. on the side, it's incredibly hard. I don't disagree, but I don't think that, um, I don't think we're losing anything by doing it. 
But at the beginning, I think you do get lost and you'll kind of build a bunch of different features, but eventually you'll get yeah, a crunch yeah, yeah. point. So we got a crunch point after building for about, you know, six, nine months. We'd built all these pretty kind of under underwhelming or underfinished features. And then we kind of crunched yeah. and we were like, started using the product. And I was like, I can't use this product for ourselves. And if we can't use our own product, no, we can't no, no. dog food it, then we've done something wrong. Stopped, looked at it and gone, okay, yes. what are the only three things? If we had only three things that we did in here, two big features and one small feature. So what are the two big features and what's the one small feature that we need to be able to do to make this product just work for starters? And that reduced the number of features by more than half. So we only got a tiny little slice and then we're going to make those features as good as they possibly can be before we then put it into into alpha like i think someone from skyscanner a while ago was saying that only like five percent of the features of skyscanner that people actually use um or have like actual high enough metrics usage that they distinguish it to be decent um and i think it's the same with pretty much i don't know if that's true for the products you've worked on but I, most of the things i've seen that's the same pattern um and i think it's fine to be really messy at the start and to just be like, oh, we don't really know what we're doing. Because I think actually like being that messy and building too much helps you refine. As long as you're ready to throw stuff away. And Scott Belsky's got some really good stuff on this. The, the guy who built, um, uh, what's it called? Not Dribble, uh, Behance. Uh, he got bought by Adobe for like 900 million. But he's got a really good book called In the Messy Middle. Uh, so it talks about like all the shit that happens in the middle of trying to build companies that no one ever talks about. Um, but his, his premise is like, you should be ready to just kill your darlings, like kill the things the teams have spent like hours working on that you've spent hours like um, trying to create uh, because it doesn't matter. Like the only thing that matters is people paying money for your thing.